0: Alright, welcome back to the PCS Podcast. I am your host, Drew, and with me today is... Justin. Yeah, what's up, man? How was your week?
1: Oh, man, uh, my week has been really uh, interesting. It's had its ups and downs. Um, Last weekend, I competed in a case tournament um, with a really fun deck. Um, Ended up getting top four, and... Uh, we we did a split at the end, so uh, I was going to play it out because I had a really good matchup in the top four. Pretty much every deck was an auto win. Um, got a text from the wife, the kid had a fever, uh, so ended up taking the split, came home. Well, that led to me and my wife getting sick then after that from the kiddo oh, being sick. So man. I spent the, uh, the rest of the week not feeling well and having a crazy work week um, in the back at the brewery. I pretty much worked by myself, so still worked on top of feeling like crap, so... Uh, here we are. We're finally feeling better. And uh, this weekend, we got to watch a lot of uh, pretty awesome Pokemon. The wife was actually out of town, so I literally was on baby duty uh, watching Pokemon the whole time.
0: Heck okay, yeah, you got to show them while you're young. You gotta, well, you yeah, gotta, you got to exactly. teach them. You gotta young. Teach him. <laughs> Yeah, that's super sick, man. Uh, I'm glad you got to watch. How about you, man? Uh, I went to Salt Lake City, and I competed in Salt Lake City, and I did not make day two, but we'll talk about that later. Um, But yeah, it was a great time. It was a great event. Uh, It was obviously hosted very well. Uh, The casting was great from what I watched and what I saw. Uh, other than that, wife and I just kind of hung out in Salt Lake, did some fun things. I slept a lot after after day one. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to deprive myself of any more sleep. I'm going to take a long nap, and that's kind of what I did. So I did miss a couple of the streams early in day two, but I definitely made sure I watched the um, the semifinals and the finals.
1: Those long days can be uh, mentally straining, and you know sometimes that's what you need to do afterwards. Just take a, a long, long nap.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and my games were particularly long, but since we're on the discussion of Salt Lake City, we might as well transition into who won Salt Lake, and this was a pretty large event, not the largest one, uh, which I think right now is still Baltimore, Uh, but there were 834 Masters at Salt Lake City, which is still pretty beefy, it's larger than last year, which was uh, 600 if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, it's a pretty pretty decent in- increase. And what deck do we get to talk about in first place, buddy?
1: We get to ta- talk about the Goo God itself, Hisuian, Gudra, and Arceus V-Star. Um, as we've talked about multiple times, uh, we're both pretty big fans of this deck. Uh, Gudra being able to reduce uh, damage to itself on top of just hitting big numbers. I mean, it's it's just it's such a good deck we've been preaching the word of the goo god for so long now and to see it take uh take the top top spot is uh one is pretty awesome because there's a lot of non-believers out there and uh <laughs> two it's just it, it just shows it really
0: is a good deck no absolutely i think it's got just it, it's a hard enough lump to get over as it is but the way that this particular player and shout out to uh is it hal or Hale uh, uh or albinati um mm-hmm. However, you say your name, you, this this deck is is made to sustain long, long periods of time and basically you grind out games of best of one, which is a pretty good position to put yourself in in a lar- long and large event like this.
1: Yeah, exactly. And he didn't have too many ties too. So even though it's a you know uh, a long uh, strong out, strung out deck, you know your tanking hits and things like that, he still played it with enough speed to where none of his games went the time, and he was. He was able to, well not, I don't want to say none, but a lot of his games did not go to time and he was just able to, you know, win out and show its power. Um, And like I alluded to earlier, I didn't want to give it away in the open. This is actually what I played to um, my top four uh, this past weekend. Um, Same thing, it it just felt good playing the deck the whole time. It's like once they get to a certain threshold on the HP, you just heal with the Hyper Potions and you heal with the Crystal Caves and it's just so it's it's so consistently good
0: no i i tend to agree i really do like the way that this uh this deck poised itself for sure uh but you have been hot on the colrish train for a while and i'm interested to hear your perspective on how colrish fixes anything in this deck like what does it provide like what what level of depth does it add to the supporter count
1: yeah, so um, for me personally, so you'll—I mean, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you'll see I was kind of shouting this out during the the whole event. The moment I saw that Hale was actually playing the Colress Engine in there, um, this is something that I put in my version of it. So um, I also previously played Arceus Deralidon, and one of the issues I had with playing that deck uh, previously as well was the research is great to help you find cards you need or you need, but with that you're also dumping away so many resources. That you need for later game like potentially hyper potions potentially energies things that at the moment you might not be able to attach or use but you don't have the other pieces you need so the research was dumping them away so therefore chorus is it you see five cards get rid of two that you don't need so yes you're only getting three in your hand but you're tossing away dead cards while still building up your hand size and keeping all those cards you need and it's just, it's just a winning combo because there's been so many times, especially um, in my experience with this past weekend, where I would have the Hyper Potion in hand but not the Energy or vice versa, and that card was a research, well now I got rid of one piece and found the other piece, but I still couldn't make the combo work. So for me, I, just, I think chorus Experiment, not only in this deck, but so many other decks is such a strong, strong supporter for that reason alone.
0: absolutely being able to keep the resources that you currently have in your hand and being able to see five cards deeper in the deck to you know potentially grab something that you need to make those combos happen just seems super strong and i really do think from this point forward colverse is going to be looked at one of those cards that can be inserted into almost any deck without the comfy colverse engine or the comfy lost zone engine
1: exactly and that's that's the thing here is like you can see especially in this deck specifically He's not running anything to play along with the Lost Zone other than the Colrus. I mean, and that's purely for that whole, like I said, the pressers the Research aspect where you don't have to discard your entire hand and resources. Um, I will say one of the things that I did notice about this deck is he doesn't have any outs to a Blissey Miltank um, potential, um, which in my list, because I was already playing the Colrus engine, and this is something uh, I'm spreading the word of the, the Colrus Cramorant uh, gospel, uh just th- i threw a rant mine and literally my my uh one or not my 1k but my case tournament my first matchup was against a, a quad miltank deck and <laughs> i literally was like okay and i also played two ordinary rods in my deck as well too but i was able to literally rant knockout rant knockout you know just mm-hmm. looped it over and over and was able to win that series because it was just a an easy one of inclusion because i was already playing the chorus itself um but yeah, no. I mean, there's there's little things you can add in there like that. But yeah, I mean, you could even just get away with the chorus engine and not run anything else itself.
0: No, that's that's super sick. And is five hyper potion the future of these tanky decks or four hyper potion? I suppose I was about to say five hyper potion. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, it, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some scandalous stuff happened over here. No, um, sorry, <laughs> four hyper potion. Because um, I I've been pretty used to bouncing between two and three in Duraladon, but four seems excessive. Is that count higher specifically because of the uh chorus experiment because you're able to potentially part ways with one but at least make sure you have access to four or three at some point
1: yeah i think i think in this deck specifically it can work um my list i was only playing three um so i was definitely the one thing i for my list i was actually making sure i preserved them i wasn't getting rid of them but i can see definitely we're on the chorus you could potentially get rid of one and, and you know and take a tank a hit, but the other thing is just kind of your consistency to see them as well too. Of you, you know, the higher counts you have, the more often you're going to see them, and the more often that you can actually heal like you need to. So, um, I think a four count and something like this is going to be good. I mean, we're already seeing four counts of them in Blissey Mill um, because that deck plays all the energies that they can loop back and heal themselves. So I think in any kind of tanking heal deck, um, I think Hyper Potion is just a great great card for that, especially while we have it in rotation too.
0: Absolutely. And then the last topic before we kind of move on to the second place deck, which I'm also excited to talk about. Um, no Ordinary Rod or any Pokemon recovery whatsoever in this deck and relying solely on a 2-2 count of Gudra. Does that seem optimal? Does it seem lucky? Or do you think that that's just the way this deck has to work, especially with uh, Chloris?
1: I, you know, if you're asking me, I definitely think uh, he had a little bit of luck on his side with that because, yeah, all it takes is, you know, uh, a really bad start or a really bad hand or even really bad prizing, and you're just kind of, you're stuck. Um, I mean, it obviously worked for him. He took the first place, but... um, one thing for me too is also you know even though the double turbo is a perfect pair for the the hyper potions um you do get in some of those sticky situations where you know you might want or you might need to uh discard regular energies and other than your melanie you don't really have any other ways of getting those energies back so it's kind of like it's a little bit of a risky play obviously it worked out here but i think if you're you know if you were to take this to a local league i you know personally i would definitely throw in at least one ordinary rod for just that you know that that's safekeeping
0: oh and that's yeah i was kind of thinking that too i was like man if this guy ran into you know Tank, this would have been a really really difficult wall to leap over um but it looked like it had its outs with things like path to the peak the rock sand seems super powerful double big parasol, so you're not really scared of uh giratina at any capacity so uh obviously one so super sick and hats off to you hail Uh, And then we're going to go ahead and talk about the second place deck, which is Arceus Flying Pikachu with a 1-1 line of Espeon V-Max and two Drapion V. Let me hear your thoughts on this deck before I kind of dive in.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) So it's kind of crazy, and I think this deck really was the element of surprise factor, and it it truthfully worked out. But, I mean, um, there's some just... Crazy spice in here. I mean, you see the the Espeon line. Mm. Um, the guy was definitely scared of uh, you know of Mew with the double Drapion. Um, yeah, and the loss the loss zoning uh, or lo- yeah loss zoning one of the Drapions, I guess. But um, I mean, even the fact that he's playing a Volo in there to get rid of you know one a, a damaged Pokemon uh, V on the bench. It's just it's kind of a crazy list. And um, the casters did a really good job of pointing out that like. Um, James has really no record as far as showing, and here he is becoming a finalist in this. Um, So he he must have practiced this deck really well and knew it in and out to take it all the way to a second place finish. Because, I mean, I've played some very diverse decks with multiple lines of Pokemon, but this has got a lot of stuff going on in it.
0: Yeah, I know Eric from Rare Candy. And if you haven't checked out Rare Candy on YouTube, definitely do that. He's a very insightful player, uh, has a very solid competitive history, too. So definitely check him out if you guys haven't already. Um, He was playing Arceus Flying Pikachu with Espeon as well, uh, running a lot of attackers that had uh, like a one basic energy plus a double colorless fulfillment. Um, On top of that ability that's escaping my brain right now that Espeon VMAX has... That allows your Pokémon with Psychic Energy attached to not be affected by the attacks of your, um, sorry, not be affected by the effects of your opponent's attacks, So it's Giratina proof, it's Sableye proof, and stuff like that makes Espeon a really good like bench partner. But you're also running a high count of Path, so it felt to me when I was kind of considering an Espeon in my Giratina deck that I played, it felt suboptimal. But at the same time. Because Gudra is stacking so many energy on itself, Espeon becomes a worthwhile attacker in the same stroke. So, although it is a 1-1 line, and it didn't look like there were any cards to recover the Espeon in the final when it, they started it in Game 1, it felt like if you're going to counter something with a, with a card like this, you want to play a heavier count, or at least the means to get it back.
1: Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that's really interesting, too, like you pointed out, is the, the heavy count of Path of the Peak. Um, but he's playing a lot of Pokemon that have abilities. Uh, the Espeon, the Luminion, the Crobat, two counts of Drapion, uh, the Arceus lines. So, the I mean, we do see all the time where people you know play Arceus, Arceus Marnie, Path, and it yeah. works great. But, I mean, in something like this, you're relying on those other you know, attacks or other Pokemon for their abilities and things like that. And if you're shutting them off and say your opponent's okay with you shutting them off because they're going to just going to play their own path too. It's kind of, um, I don't want to say it's uh, counterproductive because obviously this is a second place finish, but I definitely feel like you have to have a really good timing on your path to the peaks and also potentially know that you have an out. Like we do see a Pumpkaboo here, but you know, what's the, What's the instance that um, your bench is already full in that time that you might need it, you know? Um, right. So and it's I, just it's very interesting.
0: Absolutely. And I think the Volo plus the Collapse Stadium, acting as like a pseudo Sharon's care for everything that isn't a colorless Pokemon, gives you the flexibility to kind of have that turn one path um, aggression. And then you can find your outs in the form of Pumpkaboo, clap stadium you know they're running four quick four ultra ball and evolution incense so the means to get the necessary things in line to bounce that path um at any given moment were there but um in the games that we watched it seemed like james just kind of ran out of energy really really fast and an arceus deck i feel like you're committing one energy solely to Arceus in the form of powerful colorless energy because you can't accelerate it. Um, and it doesn't do anything for flying Pikachu which obviously held off the Regis uh, for long periods of time. Um, and then everything else is just kind of bleh in terms of counts. Like, I I don't know how to scientifically um, describe it I suppose but, uh, three psychic and three lightning plus four double turbo energy just seems like you're not giving the maximum amount of power to the Pokemon you're actually attacking with. Um, if I saw something along the lines of, like, Sharon's care to be able to fold those RCs back, I'd probably understand what they were going for in this deck a little bit more. But it kind of just seemed like I send out Arceus, I use Flying Pikachu against everything that might be weak to Electric or Single Prize, and then I clean up with Espeon and preserve myself with Espeon. And if I'm playing View, Double Drapion.
1: Yeah, and then I mean, going back to the whole Volo collapse stadium play too. Um, like you mentioned, there's really there's no recovery in this. So I mean, at a certain point, um, your opponent can almost like checkmate you by damaging something that has all the energies attached, making you either hey you're going to take a knock, I'm going to take a knockout on this, or you've got to Volo it or collapse stadium it away. And then either way, you're getting rid of all your energies. I mean, granted, we do see the one copy of Raihan here to get one energy back, but I mean. There's no other. I mean, granted, like I said, the element of surprise factor was a big thing, and people don't didn't know his list going into this, so maybe they thought he had ways to do that, and that was to his advantage. But I mean, mm-hmm. looking at this list, it, like I, I just I don't see a long-term game plan in this. For say, say he ran into multiple RCS Gudras throughout the day, or things like that. Um, mm-hmm. It just seems like. Um, yeah, just, I don't know, there's not a lot of recovery in here, and if you just start bad, I feel like it, it flops.
0: Yeah, but I think the, what I would refer to as an anarchist, you know, conservative deck like this, um, is probably just pure aggression. Turn one path, Marnie, 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 boss whatever you need to clean up later and call it a day. Um, there are opportunities for you to attack with Drapion being a, um, you know, quadruple colorless fulfillment, so... It's not like everything in this deck can't attack, uh, with the exception of things like Gardevoir and Crobat and Laminion. But this deck seems like it gets the job done. It was set out to serve a specific purpose, and that was to counter Regis, which had a huge presence in Top 8. And we'll talk about that in a little bit here. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, And then I want to give a shout-out, uh, an honorable mention or a shout-out to Israel Sosa. Playing Lost Zone Leafeon V Max. Um, if you watch my YouTube channels, I did mention something about a Lost Zone Leafeon V Star deck. Uh, but the core is very similar to what is displayed. Um, it's running a you know for Comfy because it is the uh, Comfy Chorus engine. Uh two Leafeon, two Leafeon V Max, a Leafeon V Star, but it is including a Drapion to um Preserve its Mew matchup just a little bit better. Double Cram and then double uh, Evolving Skies Reggie Drago that does two hundred and forty damage and twenty less for every damage counter that's on it, but it attacks for two Grass and one Fire. So I thought that was spicy when I featured it into my list on YouTube. But they definitely applied it and played it at a very high level. Um, I <laughs> I am desperately grasping at the cards to try to build this myself because this looks like a whole lot of fun to play.
1: Yeah, it it really does. Um, I mean. And what's even funnier, um, I'll shout out another podcast. But um, so Mellow Magikarp uh, had Israel Sosa on his podcast Lake of Rage, and they literally talk about Leafy on there, and they him and the other guests pretty much joke about. Imagine if we played Leafy on to SLC, and they <laughs> played it to SLC, and and did pretty well. I mean, it's. It's crazy, and the numbers it hits, too, especially with things like Kirim running around is just
0: huge. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and Gudra, too, on top of that. yeah, um, But yeah, the, the Reggie Drago is just in, insane with the damage it hits, um, especially when you're playing the Lost Engine, you can just Mirage Gate to it right away. Um, we see the one copy, uh, well, of course, one copy, but the Radiant Charizard, um, another big attacker, especially for late game um, or even mid-game now that we've got the Mirage Gate, or uh, yeah, the Mirage Gate's in there, and um, I, it's just it, it's another thing where you don't expect it an the element of surprise I mean it did them very very well um, as well as Israel Sosa being just a very good player on top of that um, but yeah it, it's a really cool deck um, I, I would not have expected to play against on VMAX if I'm being honest
0: yeah and this is a risky play too because you're playing one rod and you have Radiant Charizard you have you know a total count of twelve energy in the whole deck, and you're using Mirage Gate plus Leafeon being able to accelerate with its ability. Um, no counter stadiums whatsoever. No recycler. No nothing. You have to be very, very precise with what you send to the loss zone, and you know, getting getting an eight-six-and-one finish is, you know, it's it's full merit to the player at this point. Like, there's no way I'd be able to pilot this efficiently um at a large stage like that at least not without like a work a week's worth of practice uh but super exactly. sick deck uh, yeah go ahead
1: oh i was gonna say and just the fact that uh you have so many radiant zards running around too and all these lost box decks and stuff like that too and you're a grass pokemon with a fire weakness i mean three prizer for something hitting you for 500 damage is uh is, is very scary
0: yeah Absolutely, I tend to agree, but uh, I look forward to seeing hopefully more on VMAX Supremacy in the future. Uh, the second deck that I wanted to talk about, uh, Tyler McCutcheon, uh, didn't get his precise placing in Day 2, but he played Arceus V-Star Flying Pikachu in a 1-1 Aegislash VMAX. Um, for those in the Pokédex Discord, they understand that I was kind of practicing this deck. This was my backup deck, if you will. Um, Not the exact same 60, obviously, but I'm thrilled on this card. You know, people got to start respecting the sword because, you know, Aegislash VMAX, swinging for a pretty relevant weakness. Um, Arceus, V-Star, and Marnie Path, being able to put your opponent in uncomfortable positions and take that early first turn knockout seems like a good way to trigger Aegislash VMAX uh, very easily. Uh, but other than that, man, running a judge almost as a fifth Marnie is pretty spicy, and the double, po- uh, double powerful colorless energy um, just seems super punishing.
1: Yeah, I'm really liking all the inclusions of the powerful energies in the Arceus decks lately. It kind of makes up for that math of the, the missing the double turbo and things like that. Uh, or having a double turbo on there um, and I just like it as well as the Judge too, it's kind of interesting it seems like everyone's starting to pick up Judge again we saw it uh, on stream as well too, um, I believe it was Cyrus Davis uh, played a Judge and everyone was kind of like was that a Judge? Um, yeah. it, it was just it's it's interesting to see it coming back but it just makes sense too um, as you know, like you said, a, a fifth Marnie um, at that, you're not having to play a palpad to get a Marnie back, instead you're just throwing an extra supporter in there.
0: Oh, absolutely. It seems like the, the Arceus definitely had the the power behind it. The Hslash VMAX came through to uh, really clean up some large targets and swing for a cure and weakness and so on and so forth. And Arceus flaying Pikachu just kind of keeps everything uh, lost box and Reggie's at bay. So, uh, super sick deck. Uh, I have no regrets choosing what I played but I definitely had a lot of fun practicing a 60 very similar to this and I'd be excited to pick it back up before Silver Tempest. Um, and then you mentioned Charlie Locklear's um, Vika Volt Control deck. Can you talk to me about this monstrosity? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's, um, and I think that's what interests me or intrigues me about it is just how kind of crazy it is. I mean, so many decks, especially the Lost Zone decks, um, you know, your uh, Inteleon decks—they're all relying very heavily on items. Um, so what better way to shut them down than to not allow them to play their cards? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, 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 it's pretty cool, and it's honestly um, it's very consistent. Obviously, Charlie Lockyer didn't do very well. I believe even on his uh, tweet said that he hit some really bad variants in his last two games for his winning ends. Um, but, I mean, we saw on stream it was a perfect example of how it was supposed to work to lock out the opponent where they just couldn't play. Um, I do think it's very interesting only having a two-count of the cross-switchers, but he made them work every single time. He's only playing five energies, yet somehow with the Raihans and the Magma Basins and everything, it just—he never really missed a beat while playing this. Um, And what's even more interesting, too, is he is playing the Drapion V, but he's also playing the Drapion V-Star, which is something that people have talked about kind of including— but it, it's attack isn't good but it's not you don't play it for it's an attack you actually play it for its v-star ability which allows you to paralyze poison confuse everything under the sun your opponent's pokemon and yeah. then you also item lock them so they can't switch out of the active so it's kind of that extra turn of hey i'm gonna lock you even further mm-hmm. um it, so it's just it's kind of crazy and then once you get Later into, you know, say your opponent has taken out a few prizes, he is playing the Radiant Charizard in there for kind of a late game big swinger um, that you can just charge up pretty easy. But yeah, it's um, this deck list is absolutely wild. Even playing the one of Thornton in there so he can just bring back a Vika Volt or bring back a Sobble and evolve it into a Drizzle, you know, it's just it's it's wild.
0: Yeah, this was super sick. I think I finished my round two or three pretty quickly. With, with some time left over no it was the lunch, they carried him over through the lunch that's that's why I got to watch and we got to watch this play against Giratina and the the big parasol obviously came in clutch at the very end as his opponent didn't really understand what the parasol was there for, uh, he finally had energy because he wasn't able to mirage gate the whole time because he was item locked out of the game and he went to basically delete the Vikavolt to put himself in an advantageous position the big parasol stopped him and that was just game. It was completely over, and it was just super sick to see that kind of checkmate. But it was funny because he threw the Hazuian heavy ball one time, um, elected to grab what I think was the second Vikavolt off of it, and then put the the hazuian heavy ball back. And it felt like for the rest of the game, when he was finally in a position to start swinging with the Radiant Charizard. He kept missing the Heavy Ball and the Charizard every time in his prizes. <laughs> and we know this because we can see their prizes, but he doesn't. And it was just so frustrating to watch. Like, oh, <laughs> dang it, you missed it. Missed it again. <laughs> it was it was crazy. Um, what I didn't fully understand is because Vikavolt hits 50 damage in item blocks, right? You yep. get the Go Zapdos that does a plus 10 damage modifier to all your lightning Pokemon when it's on the bench and it's stackable, right? That It bumps it to 60, so you're trading with Cramorant at this point, which is fantastic. I know there might not be a lot of space in this deck, but I feel like a second one to be able to bop Comfies and then item lock them might be even more powerful.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree with that actually too. Um, I mean, he is so he is playing the quick shooting Inteleon as well. So I know there was a couple plays where he had put sixty damage on Comfies, so he would um, like he would actually save them for kind of later on. Uh, since they couldn't, the opponent couldn't play scoop up nets and things like that, so they couldn't take a damage one off the bench. So then you'd come back in later, in, later on, and be able to take two prizes in a turn. So you'd go, okay, ping the one on the bench, and now I'm going to take out a Cramorant that's in the active as well too. So I'm taking two prizes for this minimal attack. So I think that was kind of the thought process behind that. Um... But I'm not 100% sure, um, only because the stream match, I will say his opponent, even though he was item locked, this is nothing against his opponent, there are like the high stress situations of being on stream, but I do think his opponent was very badly misplaying, there was many, many turns where he wasn't attaching energies that he had in hand, so he was whiffing attacks because he didn't have the energies, it was like he was holding on to them, for some reason, um, maybe he was worried about the Vika Volt doing its second attack and taking knockouts, mm. um, but then that would just get them out of you know the item lock. So I I don't know. It was just I I noticed that I even mentioned something in the Discord actually. Uh, I was like he's not playing very well, and no. um, it, it was just it, yeah, it just seemed like his opponent was kind of just didn't understand what was going on. And granted, I would probably be in the same situation if I hadn't you know didn't know this deck list and things like that, but. Um, Yeah, there was many a times his opponent could have attached energies and been attacking, but he just didn't, um, which just gave Charlie that much more of an advantage, honestly. I mean, to keep item lock and keep doing that kind of stuff.
0: Right. My final note on this deck is uh, Charlie has an incredibly high skill ceiling with Shady Dealings. Um, So I don't think that I personally could pilot something like this, but to his opponent's testament, I don't think that there's any way in the world He was playtesting against something like this. Oh, no. Yeah, he had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, like, this was a completely, like, blind um, matchup that you have to pretend like you understand how to navigate it. But at the end of the day, that's just not going to happen. So, super sick to see something interesting like this. And I hope a lot of people experiment more with Vikable because I think that there's definitely a place for it right now. Uh, So, we'll transition over to what ended up being our top eight at salt lake and four of those decks were reggie (laughs) gigas and yeah (laughs) we we had a lost giratina piloted by nicholas Moffat, um origin origin form palkia v star uh without kiram at seventh seed and then um james Thiel who played uh in the semi in the final with uh uh, hale playing uh arceus sui and gudra but Grant Manley, Azul Garcia Grego, or Azul GG, as we all know him. Um, Caleb uh, Gedemer. Hopefully, I pronounced your last Getimer. name. Gedemer. Sure. And then uh, Drew Kennett, both playing for Team Rare Candy. All playing Reggie Um, why are we seeing so much Reggie's?
1: Um. So I one. Uh, the Obviously, the people piloting them are really good players. Um. But two. I mean, just. Reggie's honestly has a very good matchup spread across the board. It's when it bricks, it bricks. But whenever it goes and and it goes more often than not, it Mm. it just it's good. It can hit most decks for relevant weakness. It can hit most decks for just relevant things, and it has outs to a lot of different options. Um, they hit big numbers. They hit. They've got a good weakness spread. Um, I will say because there was so many Reggies in here, it was literally a perfect, uh, perfect top eight for Hale to take the whole thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, literally looking at. The, I, I as soon as I saw the top eight, I was like, the only thing he has to worry about is a Giratina V Star. That's it. And whenever I saw that it got bumped out, I'm like, okay. And I literally, my wife was actually sitting next to me while I was watching on my phone. And I just go, I was like, I was like, oh, the guy Hale playing the Gujra deck is gonna win. She's like, what? How do you know that? I'm like the (laughs) matchups he he won't lose um but yeah so i mean it was a great top eight for him but um but no reggie's like i said it's just got a very good good type coverage um hits good numbers and it being a one prizer on top of that too it's just um the hps are just out of range of a lot of things that are trying to you know take cheeky two prize or, or two prizes in one turn and things like that um, so it, it it is very good in that aspect, on top
0: of good players were piloting it as well, too. Absolutely. And that was kind of my thought, too. It's like, it might be the best deck with a 50-50 matchup against the entire meta right now. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have a super hard counter in the format as well. Um, obviously, Flying Pikachu has its moments. Ice Q has its moments. Um but it's not a direct hard counter that's more consistent than Reggie Gigas. But I think the reason why we saw so much of a presence of it in top eight is obviously the players. Like um, Grant Manley is an absolute beast. Like he's top cut day two all the time. Azul one and AIC. Drew Kennett won Salt Lake City last time he was there. Uh, Caleb had incredible first, second place finishes in 2018, so it's sick to see that they're getting back into the grind. And um, Everybody else in Top Cut, obviously very respectable players, but I think the matchups definitely tilted more towards um, Hale really walking away with this. Probably saw that many Reggies in Top Cut and thought, cool, like I can just play my game, and that's super sick.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly they're gonna knock it they're gonna knock out my Arceus and i'm just gonna wall everything with Gudra
0: yeah exactly. I really don't think that there's anything that uh that a reggie Gigas player can do better to combat the um the Gudra v star but yeah i think it's it's definitely split between good players playing the deck and reggie's having a fifty fifty matchup against the entire meta
1: yep exactly yeah it's 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 a combo of both um but yeah definitely.
0: right and then we're going to transition to a new segment because this is the first regional that i got to play this year and it's called what did drew play so (laughs) (laughs) so i played arceus giratina v star and flying pikachu Um, i felt like the deck had a lot of strength Um, obviously playing a high marnie high path of peak count was my goal Uh, to be very aggressive. I did run a scoop-up net plus a Galarian Zigzagoon as well as Pumpkaboo to give myself the freedom to bounce path when I need it and get up to that 330 math that I need um, to take knockouts on massive VMAX Pokemon. Um, At the end of the day, it kind of boiled down to whether or not I wanted to play Lost Vacuum over an Air Balloon, and the Lost Vacuum definitely saved my butt. In multiple occasions, because it's an item card that lets me bounce path. Uh, but here's the deal: so I'm playing with a cast, right? And I can only shuffle so fast. <laughs> but but I don't I don't make that my own my only excuse. Like obviously there were wait there were ways for me to two a lot of games and not let them go to three games. Uh, but my first four rounds I tied out. I had a tie against Kira Marenguru. Um Dude just walled off on game three and we weren't able to get to anything resembling prizes. My um, round two opponent was super sick. His name was Cody. He camped out in a tent before the Salt Lake City Regionals, which is dope. Oh, damn. And he played Arceus Guja with four Hyper Potions, so that game was going to go long. My man. At any capacity. <laughs> it was very difficult. But didn't play Colrus, though. Uh, I was waiting to see it, and he did not play it. He did play Empoleon, though, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, yes. And then I played against... Um, Comfy, um, Giratina, and I tied again. He tried to get to the Spicy Thornton play to, you know, almost take game three away from me and just couldn't have the correct cards in the hand, so that ended up being a tie. Things definitely felt like they were slipping at that point, and I was like, man, I feel like if I tie one more time, I might as well just go play side events. And then I play against Rudy Wade, and shout out Rudy. He's a, um, a Twitter personality at some capacity, and he played uh, Arceus, Shadow Rider, and a bunch of other psychic things. Um, and we just could not get game three completed on time. And before I kind of round out the rest of my matchups, it, there were, it felt like there were games where I could have used an extra three or four minutes to really establish a dominant board state. Um, uh, but we got the time it went to turns and I couldn't really close anything out, even though I may have been two or three prizes away from doing so. And I definitely feel like those three or four minutes could have been eliminated by shuffling just a little bit faster, potentially asking my opponent to shuffle for me, because everyone was super cool. And they totally understood that, like, you know, with my thumb being stuck in the position that it's in, I could only shuffle so fast and try to randomize, randomize efficiently. Um, so that's something on me that I definitely got to work on and just kind of not let things get to a Game 3 scenario to avoid getting four ties. Um, And then table five, uh, not table five, round five is when the Dream died, and I lost 2-0 to Heston Dillon, who was a very, very good player. He was trying to get back up into, you know, uh, top cut position, day two position, whatever you call it, and he absolutely throttled me. He played cross switchers, he played boss in Lost Zone Giratina, and just absolutely chased me out of the woods, and it was scary to see for sure (laughs) but yeah uh, i didn't necessarily have the hands to combat it Uh, path of the peak does nothing against um like lost tina other than potentially slow down um, the radiant greninja and i just didn't really feel like i had an advantageous position at all but it was still cool uh he was a cool player and i hope that he would make it into top cut but it appears that D, he did not have a good rest of the day, so he should, definitely shouldn't have throttled <laughs> me that hard. <laughs> uh, round 6, I played against Eternatus and friends. He had Eternatus, he had Galarian Moltres, Galarian Weezing, Galarian Sig's uh, He had the Dark Rye as well. He had everything under the sun that was dark and rule box or effective in the meta. You just kind of slapped it all together, and I won that one then I played against another, um, Comfitina, Lost on if you will, and I beat them as well. Tony was also super sick. Um, round eight, I played against a guy named James playing Zorark. Zorark is a very, very bad matchup for my deck if I can't get the first knockout, so... Uh, felt bad. Uh, path helped me just a little bit, but not enough. So uh, don't really think that there was anything else I could do against Zorark, but take the L. And then my round nine... Uh, I sat down at the table. I had a guy playing Mew show up, and I Marnie pathed him both games, and I won both games within 12 minutes. So, you know, it was really cool to beat Mew that mental, way.
1: Mental break.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was super duper easy. I got like the Arceus and the double turbo energy start, uh, so I was able to hunt them down very, very handily, and they weren't able to get path out very early. So, that felt pretty good. Uh, overall, I had a really good time. I had a bunch of people sign my cast, which is super sick. And I definitely look forward to San Diego, which is my next uh, regional that I am going to.
1: Nice. Yeah, I uh, I actually had forgotten you were in a cast. Um, and I I know that, that pain, because uh, the beginning of the year I broke my arm as well, and my thumb was in the, the hard cast position too. So I totally get the not being able to shuffle and speed. So yeah, that would definitely... Um, Unfortunately, that's probably what slowed you down a little bit. Um, the other thing I have to say, is Eternatus even still in standard rotation at this point? <laughs> 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 I, whenever I just saw Eternatus in Friends, I was like, wait, what? Eternatus?
0: You, you um, know, if, uh, if it didn't have hard counters in the form of Avery, Path to the Peak, Collapse Stadium, and Galarian Zapdos, I'm sure it would be meta- meta-relevant, but those four cards are very prevalent in every deck right now, so it's like...
1: It's one of those decks that gets caught in the cross path of all those cards that are trying to counter other decks, and, you know, unfortunately, yeah, it just, that's that's why I'm like, Eternatus, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, but the and Wheezing definitely caught me off guard, and I made a super big misplay that almost led to me losing a game against it, because I bossed the Wheezing thinking, okay, like... <coughs> sorry excuse me um thinking that oh that's going to be problematic in the future i'm just going to go ahead and knock that out and then i'll set myself up for three prizes later and then i went to industrious incisor and it's been so long since i've played against Galarian Weezing, and he's like <laughs> you can't like you have no abilities i was like shit <laughs> so i had one card in hand and i bossed and took that took out the Weezing, and i was like all right cool i could draw cards next turn and he rocks and me, and I was like, "No, <laughs> this is so bad." <laughs> so well, let me ask
1: you this: Did do, you didn't happen to draw your cards, did you? Because the judges seem to be handing out penalties like freaking candy this weekend.
0: No, he because I, I I tend <laughs> to announce what I'm doing, and my opponents were all super cool, and they were like, "No, like you can't," and it's that was a big brain fart of mine. I was like, "Yeah, like let me put that in the active so I can take it out and do my thing." <laughs> and it completely shuts me down. I was like, oh wait, okay, I'm dumb, don't be bad, and just knock it out. <laughs> but he Roxanne yeah. me, but I still luckily had Bieberol to let me draw out. So everything was chilling there, but man, I was it was a big dumb move on my part.
1: And we all have those moments, especially after a long day too, but... No, that was actually something we didn't even touch on earlier, was uh, all the pen? I mean, I know you were there, so you weren't really watching the streams, but the amount of penalties we saw on stream were just absolutely insane.
0: Yeah, when I'd look up from my table, I saw quite a few red dots on the the big projector board, so I...
1: Oh, man, the Zoroark <laughs> game versus the, the Lost Tina, where the guy, is like, he literally had to take one knockout, because there was four, the guy had drawn extra cards and stuff, multiple times, and... Yeah, it was like, okay, he had four prize penalties in one game.
0: That's insane. I, at that point, you just go to the next game. Like, what do you do?
1: It was it was the, the literally the game to I think it was the last game. So oh, it was just like, man. yeah, that's so at that point I would have just scooped out of frustration. But I think he was just like, no, I'll play it out because I'm on stream.
0: Yeah, no. Uh... But anyone who saw me at SLC and said hi, you know, recognized me from my YouTube or the podcast. Thank you so much. If you have photos of us together, post them because I didn't take them on my phone. Um, I'd be super excited to see those and repost them. Um, we have two more topics of discussion before we go into our um, Lil France regionals prediction, and one of them is prizing. I understand that like the first place player gets five k, the second and third place get two. You know, 2500 bucks, But three booster boxes for first place? Are they doing enough?
1: Yeah, so these, this is kind of some hot takes that have been... Well, um, not even hot takes, just discussions that have been very hot for a while now. Um, and something that, you know, I was talking with you about before we started recording. But yeah, it's just... I mean, to do all that work, all that grinding, two days, and I mean... I mean, yeah, you get five grand, but for the first place prizing, it'd be three booster boxes. Like, give give the man or woman, whoever wins, like, a, a sealed case. I mean, realistically, that's that's the least Pokemon can do. But even cash prizing, like, yeah, we get cash prizing down to, um, I know you looked it up. What what was it down to?
0: It was, I think it was only t- top 32 got cash. And yeah, end, so, realistically, I mean, like, I, the cash down below top eight is not paying for your trip
1: yeah i mean exactly that it's as i think realistically if you're making day two you should at least be making your money back for the tournament entry fee like if because you made day two i mean you you were a good enough player to where you got into day two let alone the actual like prizing throughout i mean i don't know i just this is something that people have talked about a lot because a lot of times like you said like you mentioned It doesn't even pay for your trip. I mean, I could go to, like I mentioned before, I can go to a 1K or a winning, you know, a case tournament, and that's 30 minutes away from me. I don't have to book a flight. I don't have to book a hotel room. I don't have to, like, I pay 30 bucks, and if I win, I'm walking away with multiple boxes. I mean, I I just did a, in my own town, I did a top four split, and I walked away with a booster box. You know, and it was not even a. It was like a full day. Yeah, but it, I, that was top four, and I walked away with the box. I didn't have to fly across the country. I didn't have to book a hotel. I didn't have to spend time away from my family. So, I mean, if people are doing these these big events, I definitely feel like prizing should be should be a little bit better. And one of the topics that everyone talks about is it's because Pokemon's so reserved on um, not allowing outside sponsors. And I think if that's something that if Pokemon did. It'd be so easy for these companies to go, hey, we want to throw your logo up everywhere. Give us ten grand to put in the prize pool, yeah. and you know the, the it's it's money right there. People are willing to do that kind of stuff left and right, especially for Pokemon, who's got the one of the biggest franchises known in the entire world. I mean, companies would line up out the door to throw cash pricing towards us to have their logo on something.
0: No, I tend to agree, and I, I if you listen to the Pokedex podcast, like you've heard me make this spiel before, like. I watch a lot of Halo esports and, you know, they've got Jack in the Box, Oakley, um, all these other sponsors and stuff like that. Just, you know, putting up the the cash prizing to have their logos everywhere uh, to make the, you know, prizing significant and have it be, you know, taken seriously as like a competitive you know outlet. Uh, what I don't understand, obviously, Pokemon has their ego and they want to go about their business the way that they go about it. But there's got to be someone else that they can partner with. Even if it's, like, Nintendo that sponsors the event or something like that. They're obviously using Nintendo product there. That could just be an immediate boost to anything resembling the prize pool. Um, And if things are paid for by the sponsor, then Pokemon can ship in more on the product that they have, you know? Like, give more product, you know? A case to (laughs) top, uh, you know, to first place, four boxes to second, and then three boxes split, not split, but, like, three boxes for third and fourth place makes a little bit more sense at a coveted Pokemon event that gives you a tremendous amount of CP to win, (laughs) you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, like, I know for a fact uh, just from the pro players that I personally know and stuff like that, they don't even open their boxes because they they sell them to help increase their, their payout from what they've you know what they've earned so if they win boxes they're selling them back instead of opening the product because they just they need the extra money to help pay for their trip to help cover cost I mean I I personally open my product I get because one I just don't buy packs in general because mm-hmm. um, I my luck is garbage but if I win something I open it because that's the only time I'm ever gonna open something but yeah I could see if I was in this situation where I flew across the country and my winnings didn't even equal to my trip expense I might be con- might consider doing that because i mean it's just it really does like kind of suck you know you you grind it all this way and like yeah maybe you got fourth place but okay your trip cost you two grand to get there well the only i mean and it leads to you know these players especially the really the the well-known big players they have their they find their own sponsorships outside of this and things like that um you know i i personally do that myself as well but it's just like sometimes that's not enough either. Um, I mean, these so-called—I don't want to say so-called—but these professional players can't even dedicate like a full life to being a professional Pokemon player without doing coaching, without having multiple sponsors, without streaming every single day. Because if not, they're not going to be able to pay their bills. Um, and I mean, I would love to make Pokemon a full-time career for myself, but I personally know, especially with the pricing and everything that's going on. Um, That's not a reality. Granted, I have an amazing job that I love to do, but um, it would be even cooler not to sweat all day in a brewery and (laughs) play Pokemon all day.
0: Yeah, it just doesn't seem like a lucrative enough career choice, and it's great for younger players, those who've aged up from juniors to seniors to masters, and they have a well-established competitive base, and they've won up in every division that they've played in. Um, It is really, really sick to see those types of people make a career out of what they do and out of what they love Uh, but Pokemon needs to do just a little bit more for the entire scope of the player base Um, obviously partnering with things like uh, Frosted Caribou and Mahone, Tricky Jam and so on and so forth um, not bringing them on board in terms of like payroll and stuff like that but giving them more assets and a wider outreach helps them tremendously and I feel like if Pokemon's not going to extend their outreach to help everybody smaller, then that same amount of love almost needs to be applied to all these other other up-and-coming uh, content creators uh, from, you know, all next of the woods, TCG, VGC, and um, Go.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, I mean, and like I said, there there's sponsorships that are uh, willing to throw, you know, throw things at the wall. I mean, look at the sleeve companies that we use. Look at the the dice companies that we use. Look at, I mean, all these companies that already sponsor these creators because they're, you know, there's not, no one else is really sponsoring them or they, they can't sponsor the big events because I know someone like Dragon Shield would probably love to be the official sleeve of Pokemon, you yeah. know, or... I, I mean, I think Ultra Pro is kind of in that, that scenario, but it's not like ultra pros throwing 10 grand at the prize pool yeah they might give out some discount coupons here and there but i mean a discount coupon is not that great if i'm already getting a hookup from my local store that is sponsoring me and i'm getting the same discount and i'd rather support my local store so it's just kind of like it's that catch 22 like thank you but that's really not helping whenever you're a pro player and you have those store hookups and things like that like Think, think about, like, someone who like Andrew Mahone, who is sponsored by Dragon Shield. Um, mm-hmm. And then he goes to a regional and gets a $20 off Ultra Pro coupon. Yeah. What, what's he going to do with that? that right. That's, he's <laughs> he's going he's to give it away to someone.
0: No, yeah, absolutely. Give it away on stream. You know, you'll make more money during that giveaway time anyways. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's it's a great discussion. Obviously, we're, you know, shouting at a brick wall here because Pokemon has been yeah. a ways. <laughs> They've done this for a long time. Uh, but it's nice for people to understand our frustrations from a player base. Uh, And then the last discussion, and we're kind of going to go out of our typical realm of discussion, but I talked about it on Twitter. Reggie Drago Visa. (laughs) Is this deck going to be the next best deck in the format? I am am ready to listen to your opinions because Silver Tempest is right around the corner. People want to get excited for it. Some people might consider this format stale, so... What do they have to look forward to in Reggie Drago V-Star?
1: Oh, uh, well, I also tweeted about this, um, and my opinion, uh, I voiced it out, but, uh, I think when Reg- Reggie Drago at Reg- Reggie Drago V-Star comes out, um, it's all you're gonna see for a good while, and you're gonna see people try to counter it, but, um, I think a lot of people are gonna, ca- you know, fall very, very short, um, And this is coming from a place that's coming from the MU-3 era where it was able to copy attacks, and that deck was so prominent. But that deck also had direct counters in the form of Power Plant to shut off the ability. It had direct counters in its weakness. It had direct counters in just all over the place, and it was still super prominent. Now we're being given a V-Star. So not only is it not a 3-Prizer, it's a 2-Prizer. Its HP is 280 HP. Its attack is what copies, so it's not even an ability, so you can't shut it off with something like Path of the Peak. Mm. The attacks that it has to choose are so versatile. It doesn't have to come from anything like a basic Pokemon or only V-Pokemon. It can come from any Dragon Pokemon, so there's so many versatile attacks. But and then on top of that, it doesn't even have a weakness. Yeah. It, it's just... It's going to be absolutely ridiculous. Um... This is something that you're going to see Played with, uh, in my opinion I to see it played with the, the four Hyper Potions um, and Double Turbos just to constantly heal itself Tool Jammer so you can't even use the Cheeky Gloves that do the extra damage mm. um, And It's just I I think it's Going to be one of those things that The only thing that's going to beat it is literally Another Reggie Drago V-Star deck Um right. Because you don't even need to play a crazy amount of energies with it either, too. You just mm-hmm. play your grass and your fire, and you go. Whereas Mew, you had to have the necessary... Mew 3, you had to have the necessary energies for that type, so it kind of restricted you whether you played a fire version, whether you played an electric version, whether you played a steel version. So, yeah, it's just my opinion. Um, people think the stale the format is stale now, which personally I don't. I actually think this, this meta is completely, utterly diverse. Granted, I don't... Play online for ten hours a day or anything like that. I play when I get to play, and that's it. Um, but I think they're going to be sorely uh, concerned and and very stale when this this comes out. Unfortunately,
0: yeah. I so I think this is going to be very powerful. Um, obviously, you can throw uh, Drowledon V Max into the discard pile and then shred for two twenty all day long. Uh, for two grass and one fire if I'm not mistaken Yep. my immediate thoughts are are you going to accelerate to it with Arceus are you going to try to pilot something cute with Gardenia to accelerate two grass from your hand to the bench um, how, how are you going to get the energies on it I think is what I'm concerned about like how quick is it to set up
1: um, I mean, so the, the easiest way to do it, I think, is honestly going to be the comfy chorus engine, um, okay. just like we're already seeing right now. Um, you start out with a bunch of those, and then you can play your scoop-up nets and things like that. And once you, once you hit enough for Mirage Gate, turn two, um, I mean, realistically, when you're already evolving, that's going to be your, your fastest, quickest way to do it, I think, um, like yeah, the the energy cost is kind of strange But Mirage Gate is just such a powerful tool That's been given to us That mm-hmm. I think you'll be able to do it Very, very quickly And yeah, you're putting a couple of liabilities Prizes on the bench But as soon as those are gone y- You know, you just hit Especially with um, You do have the stage 2 Dragonite That literally accelerates It's, it's RCSV uh, mm-hmm. But does damage as well It accelerates right. energies So, it's crazy.
0: No, I I tend to agree. I think think it's going to be a good deck. Um, I don't think it'll be the best deck in the format because it is so linear, but I do think it's going to provide enough variety to where it is going to be an absolute struggle to beat it. Um, We've seen all the cards that are going to come out in Silver Tempest um, as of right now. I don't think anything else is getting leaked. We're just seeing um, the Secret Rares and Full Arts and stuff like that, so... Um, definitely look into all the Dragon-type Pokemon that you could throw into the discard pile to make your version of Regidrago the, you know, optimal version, if you will. But yeah, things like Flygon, V, being able to <laughs> hit Vmax for 320 uh, is pretty yep. sick. Using Garchomp, V, being able to snipe 220 is just absolutely filthy. I think that um, the variety that those cards be- bring to that deck is, you know, toxic in some ways because you look at a comfy chorus deck and you're like cool I just have to worry about the Greninja hitting the board and then I can protect myself from snipe but now this big 280 monster is sniping for 220 so
1: exactly and you can play Rayquaza <laughs> in it you could literally, or not Rayquaza you can play um uh, Giratina in it, you can yep. play the guja V-Star so you can literally make it it's own wall deck you yep. can make it it's 280 discard 2 energies it's just it's or not discard but lost zone two energies um yeah it's gonna be crazy
0: right and then while we're on the discussion of talking about future decks uh there's a future tournament coming up the next regional is in Little france um from october 22nd to the 23rd what are your predictions man what are we gonna see
1: oh man if you i i always have a hard time guessing these things honestly um I definitely think, especially with the uh, Gujra V-Star coming out, I think we're going to see a handful of pe- people pick that up, especially with the Colerus engine. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think we're going to see some interesting things, actually, like a, um, a Rapid Strike Urshifu Ooh. potentially make a comeback. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been kind of seen uh, in Europe that they, they really do like the Rapid Strike Urshifu um, mm-hmm. and have found very interesting, interesting ways to make it work, um, where we have not seen it here since uh, Lost Origins have come out, yeah. so I think we might see something like that peek out and uh, kind of take people by surprise. Um, and truthfully, I don't know. I has been making a very big, you know, step and um, you know step up in the the meta lately. Um, a lot of people are starting to figure that deck out and take it very far. Um, So I think those are three decks that, if I had to guess, would do well. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some crazy off-the-wall decks I would never guess do really well, too, but um, I think those are three decks we'll definitely see uh, do good.
0: Yep. I'm firmly in the camp that Palkia just unfortunately didn't have a lot of good players playing it. I think that, you know, with the skill ceiling that Shady Dealings has, plus Palkia being incredibly versatile they're going to find ways to work around all the bike bolts that have been coming out of the wet work and I'm thinking something along the lines of like shady dealings um, with you know Origin Form Palkia with the inclusion of like I don't know let's say a 1-1 one, one line of Curum VMAX might be pretty spicy and you know I think these European players now seeing that deck kind of have some success right before SLC will have the practice and repetition to really pilot that deck at a high level yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I think I'm gonna ride the train of uh, of Palkia taking a at least a solid placing at Lil.
1: It's always a good call. I mean, it's it's great. We saw one in the top eight of this last tournament too.
0: Yeah, right on, man. All right. So I think that's gonna wrap this up for this episode. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, if you have any questions for us for the post Lil Regionals show, make sure you hit up our Twitter at pcs underscore hot On Twitter, and you know, any questions are fine. You know, what's our favorite type of sandwich, all that kind of stuff? Everything's fair game. Um, but Justin, go ahead and plug your stuff, I'll plug mine, and we'll go ahead and head out.
1: Sounds good, yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Pokey Brews. Uh, Twitter is going to be Pokey Brews TCG. Um, I always forget to shout these out, but I am a TCG player affiliate, so. Um, if you want to follow my link and do your shopping through there, it helps support me with tournament fees and travel for uh, coming up turn- uh, regionals. Um, I also am sponsored by Swift Lifestyles Energy Drink. Uh, if you use code PokeBrews on there, it gets you 15% off your entire purchase. Uh, stuff is great. They also do like multivitamins and things like that, which are great for... Um, You know, some of us unhealthy eating players. Um, (laughs) And then um, I do want to shout out um, PVE Esports as well. Um, They've kind of believed in me since the early days, and I just got an update that they're sending me a new jersey with new design and stuff like that, so I can't wait to rep it at some upcoming regionals.
0: That's what's up, man. All right, and then I'm KatanaTCG. Uh, follow me on Twitter. You know, look at my, my sad regional posts, if you will. Uh, and then follow me on Instagram as well, KatanaTCG as well. I'm hopping back on the YouTube this week and to showcase the deck that I played. Uh, and then we're going to talk about Zerora and Deoxys, and then we'll kind of dive into all the new stuff coming out in Silver Tempest probably next week. Uh, thanks for listening, guys, and we're going to go ahead and head out. Deuces.
1: See you guys.